morning, church. Nice um, smarties over here. Don't know if it's for the speaker or for. <laughs> um, it's good to see everyone here. The rain poured a bit as I rode my bicycle in. I was trying to not get too wet. It looked a bit funny up here. Um, we're in the book of Proverbs. We've been studying the book, I think, for the last three weeks or two or three weeks. Um, and Proverbs 9. Now, before I jump into Proverbs 9, maybe I'll start talking about my journey as I read through um, this passage and share with you what it, what it, you know, what I took from it. And um, hopefully it'll help in your journey as you read through this and meditate on it and, and ask the Lord what He's trying to say to you. Um, and Proverbs, essentially, if we step back, um, you know, are short pieces of advice, right? So if you see throughout the book of Proverbs, it's, it's really good sometimes when you feel a bit down or you need some advice where you jump to the book of Proverbs and it gives good advice. And essentially, Proverbs were, yeah, thank you. Proverbs were written uh, mainly by King Solomon. And as we look at the story of King Solomon, he asked God for wisdom. He was going to lead the people of Israel and um, he asked and seeked for wisdom from God and God had favor with him and God gave him wisdom. And if you see the next slide, thank you. Um, you'll see this in 1 Kings chapter 4 verses 29 and it talks about the wisdom not through his own understanding, but coming from God, right? So, so King Solomon seeked for wisdom. He looked for wisdom, asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. And if you see here, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding. Verse 30, Solomon's wisdom was greater than all of the people of the East and so forth. So if you see wisdom that were breathed by or given by God to King Solomon and then you see um, the writings of mainly by King Solomon in, in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs in, in a sense still as we talk about overall book of Proverbs, it, it, it talks about obtaining wisdom um, breathed by God as you read this book, right? Um, the Hebrew meaning of wisdom if I pronounce this correct, was chokmah. And it talked about knowledge. It talked about skill. It talked about applied knowledge, not just mental knowledge and wisdom. It talked about applied knowledge as well. So ultimately, the book of Proverbs helps us give, um, helps us guide us through, um, to ensure that we are able to live well in God's will. Um, and it gives us not promises, but the rules, with some exceptions, of how to live well. Now, that's the preface of how I would look at the book of Proverbs. Then we jump to this very interesting passage. Um, Proverbs 9, verses 1 to 18. If you can go to the next slide. Thank you. Very interesting um, passage. Invitations of wisdom and folly. Right? And if you read through this passage, has, you can break it down within two, three different areas. And, and ultimately, it has the voices of the Lady Wisdom and the voices of Lady Folly. 
and I thought, I looked around for some pictures, <laughs> and, and, and I think it, this portrays it quite well in a sense, if you look at verses 1 till 6, it talks about the calling of Lady Wisdom. She's built a house, she's you know, seven pillars, a strong, big house here, prepared the feast, and she's calling out for all those that are simple to come and eat, um, leave your simple ways, and you will walk in the way of understanding, right? So it's asking you to choose wisdom so that you're able to live a life um, um, worth living of godly nature. On the other hand, you will see verses 13 onwards of woman of follies, loud, undisciplined, without knowledge. Um, sits at the door. She also, at the highest point of city, calls out. So the you know, lady folly is calling out for people to, to um, choose this path that perhaps is not just evil, but maybe it's easier. And this invitation comes out to everybody to say, come through this way. Ultimately, like, perhaps as you think about it, whenever you go through life or you think about different things in your life, how people probably portrayed it as, you know, you have somebody on one side telling you one thing, good thing, and the other side saying, well, let's take the easier path. So you could look at it that way of where you are, at a, you know, as you go through life, and it's just not one time, as it goes through different parts in life, you're always at a position of choosing wisdom or choosing the perhaps easier path. Um, and it is a choice. It is something that you have to choose. There's no middle. We don't see a middle path being spoken about. We are told about a choice to be made. So ultimately, what choice would you want to make? I would think we will all learn to choose wisdom, right? Um, simply put, as we look at these two choices, but is it as simple as, as that? Is it really a evil and good? Is it a, just an easier path versus a more difficult path? So is it such an easy choice? But as we look at this choice and we want to choose wisdom, why would we want to choose wisdom, right? So as we, re as we read through here, it talks about wisdom ultimately to enrich your life um, so that you are able to enjoy life as God intended, right? Um, and it's to offer you something that sin cannot, which is ultimately living a life that God intended. Where folly perhaps is the easier path, is the path of selfishness, greed, pride, um, and, and a sinful nature in a sense. But that ultimately leads you to death, um, ruin, and shame. Right? Now, if you look at verse 7 to verse 9, we, talk, we, we read about whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. And if you look at these passages and you see that verse 9, instruct a wise man, he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, he'll add to his learning. You see a theme of pride. You see a theme of a lack of humility where a mocker or um, a, a wise man where you try to teach them and they rebuke and push back. Where a wise man um, a righteous man um, would want to add to his learning. And we see a sense of pride and lack of humility in these sections. And then we ultimately go to quite a famous, I would say, section of this reading, 
where it says the fear of the Lord. Um, if we go to the next slide. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And as, we, as, as I look through this passage, right, and, and you will see this in Proverbs, you'll see this in Proverbs 1-7, Job and Psalms, where it talks again always about the aspect of fear of the Lord as the base of wisdom, right? That's your foundation, right? So if you want a strong foundation and for wisdom, you need a base of fear of, under, fear of the Lord. And ultimately, as I reflect and, and as you... As we look through this passage, it talks about the idea of humility, um, deep reverence, obedience, um, and submission to God, right? Um, and, 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 and as I meditated and, and, and thought about this and, and, and asked the Lord, how, how, you know, ultimately, how, how do we, what is fear here? You know, I think Richard a few weeks ago talked about this passage about fear, and it's not about, you know, actual fear of the Lord, but it, you know, being in awe and submission to the Lord. But what came out mostly, in, as I looked at this, was about pride, right? Where pride says you don't need God, humility ultimately says you can't live without Him. Um, and so as we look at the theme of humility, we think of the theme of not being, um, not having pride, right? And just before I jump a bit more, if I look at the last sentence of knowledge of the Holy One is of understanding. So you, you want to choose wisdom. And it says here, to choose wisdom, you need to have the fear of the Lord. That's the base. The second aspect of this section talks about an understanding and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, knowing your God, not just choosing wisdom, not just reading and saying, ha, huh, Theoretically, I understand what this means, but even knowing the Lord is the other aspect of this clause, of, of, of this verse, right? So just if you read a letter from somebody you might not know, it doesn't have any meaning. You might have knowledge in what the letter says, but knowing the person that wrote it brings the other part of this verse. So that's the verse, and, and, and if I dwell now into the aspect of fear, and the aspect of humility. I asked this question to myself when I was talking to my wife and asking her as well. If I talk about humility, how would you explain humility to somebody? I think we all understand what humility is, but if I were to try and explain, and I tried this on my seven-year-old daughter, right? Um, I was talking to her and I said, um, do you know what humility is? She said, no, right? And I tried as much as possible <laughs> to explain humility to her, and I found it quite difficult. And I said, um, not being proud. She said, well, you say you're proud of me when I do something. I said, no, that's not what I meant. Um, <laughs> so I went a bit wrong. <laughs> but it was a bit tough, and I found it a bit difficult to explain humility. Um, and I don't know why, I think I could have a conversation with my, my wife, and we could both understand what humility is, but we would struggle to say, you know, maybe we would say it's not being proud, not having pride, being humble, right? But it was something I found really hard to maybe quantify, right? So if I go to the next slide, I would then ask 
or me and my wife ask each other, are we humble? And I would ask you, if, if we look at the word humility and, and, and so forth, would you classify yourself of, as being humble, as having humility? But if I ask the question, how would you quantify being humble? How would you, how would you rate yourself? Would you say, as a parent, you're humble, you have humility? As a, as a person in church, as a leader, as someone in work? I think you probably have different aspects of humility that come in in different parts of, you know, it might be, you might think of yourself as quite humble in some aspects and maybe not in the others. As I examine myself, I, you know, I, I try to evaluate, am I humble? And I think just the aspect of saying you're humble, maybe you're saying <laughs> it's not being humble, but as I looked at different aspects of my life and maybe as a father to my kids, I, I, know, I think I've lacked humility because at times I would tell them, do something, and they ask me why, and I say, just because I'm your dad, listen to me, and that I don't believe is, is being humble, is, is, is having humility. In different aspects, maybe I would be able to show humility, but it wasn't in every part of my life. You know, if you look at the worldly view of humility, it talks about quality of being humble, it says modest opinion of yourself, has a different view, perhaps, from what the Bible tries to say. Where the world may look at humility as modesty and not having high esteem, self-esteem and so forth. But in the Bible, we look at humility as you are being grounded in the nature of God, right? Um, C.S. Lewis wrote in his, in his, in his book, he, he, he placed pride as one of the biggest issue or, or, or um, sin that might be out there. Um, you know, he, he called it pride as the utmost evil. And quite interestingly, he said, through pride, um, that's how the devil became the devil. He placed pride as one of the ultimate sin because it can creep into any one of us at any time and cause havoc, essentially. We have great examples of those that were humble and had humility. You know, if you look at Mary, right, mother of Jesus, when she was told by God that you will have um, a son of God, and she said, why me? I'm not worthy. If you look at John the Baptist, where he came and said, I'm just leading the way to the one that come after me. It's not me. But look for the guy that's after coming after me. You'll see examples of Paul, and you read his reading, and one of the greatest apostles out there, and he says in 1 Corinthians, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because he had prosecuted the church and he stood and said, you know, I'm the least of all of this. So as we look at these examples and, and ultimately, the next slide, you will see the ultimate example we have is Jesus, right? And, and in every step of his walk on earth, um, Jesus who came down as, as the son of man, um, God in, in, in human nature, you know, um, washing his disciples' feet by the way he acted while he was on earth. And if you see what Paul wrote, right? He says in, in Philippians, in your relationship with another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who in his very nature did not consider equality in God. Right? Something to be used in those advantage. 
He made nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. We heard about servanthood last week in, in the talks. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. And so he's our ultimate example of humility. So we have all these great examples. And as we try to look at, you know, being humble, you know, having humility so that we're able to obtain wisdom, what can we do? What do how do we avoid pride? How do we manage pride? As, 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 as people, we all will, are always going to have this aspect in us um, that will think about competition, will think about having some pride in some self, thinking this is my own doing and not by God. So I looked through some, and this is not my own, <laughs> if you see the next slide, just material of how would I pursue humility? What could I do? I'm trying to find a meaning as I see the meaning and examples. You should follow them, yes? What would I do to pursue humility? And, and the first thing that had and I read and again all these as I read through and not on per my not per my examples but just the ones that struck out to me as I read through the first thing I think you can look at is submitting to God right where if you see in Proverbs says trust the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and submitting to God in a sense of saying that you are in charge now I think it's easier said than done and I and I, I looked in my life and and I thought about when I perhaps prayed, when I went to God and said, God, um, I'm coming to you. I have this need, and this is how I hope you will solve it. And I think that didn't bring a sense of humility and leaving it to him. I was telling God, this is what I want. This is how I want it done. And that was not leaving it. That was not placing all um, onto him. That was basically sending in a request and asking him for the outcome I wanted. And I felt that was something that I was not doing in, with humility and not leaving it all up to God. So one of the ways I found in a sense of trying to get, you know, take away my pride that I know what's best for me and maybe my family and, and, and for the prayers I was doing was to step back and say, God, this is not my request, that this is my need. You tell me what you help me here. Um, I leave it to you. The second aspect is perhaps you see in James chapter 1 verse 19. Be slow to speak and listen more. Where the, you know, the aspect of pride is where you are trying to push through your ideas. And one way of pursuing humility is to listen more. Is to listen to the person that is um, they're talking to the, the people that you're conversing with. And ultimately, if you think about it, when you're having your time with God and Jesus, listening to God. A lot of times, I think, and again, a reflection, self-reflection of myself was, as I prayed, I spoke and spoke and spoke. And I never had time to listen. I wasn't, I was not, being, I was putting myself, and this is my conversation with God, and I'm not listening to you. And so as in, in, in your interaction with God, in interaction with people, um, humility comes in being able to listen 
to be putting others. And so I thought that's, that, that, that spoke to me. And, and, you know, the next time you're probably spending time with God and so forth, spend some time in quietness, just listening to Him so that He be able to speak to you. Um, third aspect, perhaps, is looking at considering others more important than um, yourselves. And you'll see this in Philippians, where it is really putting the other person or others' needs above yours. And that brings aspects of, like Jesus would do, where he would say the last will come be first, right? The first will be last. And it's really bringing, putting the needs of others in front of us. Fourth aspect, boast in your weaknesses where you, you know, you might have the aspect of thinking of boasting about, you know, being proud of what you've achieved. But one of the aspects of humility is, is really boasting in how you can improve your weaknesses and perhaps boast of what others have done, which brings in putting others um, um, in front of you and, and, and so forth. Have a heart of a student. That's an interesting one as, as I read through and tried to think back to my story of trying to teach my seven-year-old humility. One of the aspects that I was reading was live by example, right? Um, and if, you were go- if I was going to teach my daughter to be humble, I'd probably have to listen to her because that's an aspect of humility. So how does she teach me? which they come in very purest of, you know, you know, kids don't really have, <laughs> they might pick it up and so forth, but they're the best teachers sometimes. So it's as I go and say, I think I know best, you know, ultimately I, I don't know best. I know certain things of how it's done because probably if, you know, we've fallen when we've done certain things. But just being, having the attitude of being a student, of learning, you know, if you remember when you were, in a school or class and so forth, where you had the attitude of going in saying, I come um, with no or very little knowledge and I want to learn. And, and lastly, and this was a very interesting one, where to you know, perhaps pursue humility, try, try and teach humility in an aspect of your kids, employees that you have, the people you interact with, and the aspect of trying to teach something was that it's a way of learning, right? So you realize that you need to set an example. So if I were to want to teach my daughter humility, um, you know, I need to set an example for her. I need to teach her. And for that, gets an aspect of learning how to you know, take away my pride and be humble. So just some, it's not the... <laughs> steps or so forth to being humble but these are just some of the items that I look through as I try to understand humility, try to understand what I can do to take away pride um, and learn um, humility essentially. Just some, some interesting um, if you take the nice slide you see from and I really liked this from, from C.S. Lewis where on the left hand side right where he says, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he'll be most, what most people call humble nowadays, 
You not be sort of greasy, smarmy person who's always telling you, of course, that is nobody. That's how we maybe we'll picture somebody um, humble. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed to be cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you did do dislike it because you feel a little envious that someone seems to enjoy life so easily, he'll not be thinking about humility. He'll not be thinking about himself at all. That got me thinking. It's quite an interesting quote. And just, just on the, on the right-hand side, Rick, Wallen, Rick Warren said this in Purpose Driven Life. He said, um, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. Which you may think, should I? No, it is just thinking of yourself less. <laughs> so, as we, um, you know, if you read this passage and, 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 and we think about, you know, having the fear of the Lord, having humility, um, I hope this, um, you'll be able to ask the Lord of, of what it is that we need to do to be humble, to set the base right so that you'll be able to obtain wisdom and ultimately choose life um, over that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for the invitation of wisdom, Lord. The open invitation to always walk through in the way that you want us to live this life. Help us to choose wisdom always over the easier or over any path that leads to this to death. Help us to choose life, Lord. And in that, help us to be humble and open up our hearts as we learn to be more like you, to learn to be able to walk in the ways that you want us to. In your precious name we pray. Amen.